Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Monday, April 8th, 2019. The clay swing is already underway on the WTA side of the tour, and we are right about starting the heavy clay portion of the tour. Joining me to break down all of the action from the last weekend, preview the week ahead, my doubles partner, partner in crime, and the man who claims to have driven a ball 378 yards today, Maxwell Bauer Rothman. Maxie, welcome back to the mini break. Well, hey, don't, don't embellish. I said 370, so <laughs> I, don't, I don't deserve those eight yards. Uh, but I, I do have someone, my, my father, who uh, can attest to it. And I'm going to give a quick birthday shout out to him and my brother, who are uh, both born today, April 8th. So, uh, West Off, you can give him a little birthday sound effect. That'd be awesome. Well, yeah, Alex, as you said, you know, we're, we're approaching the clay court season and I know a lot of people are excited for it. You know, we had a, a bit of a break, you know, after the Sunshine Double and I know I wasn't on uh, the pods last week as I got pretty swamped with some other things. But I'm excited for, you know, this week with Houston and Marrakech and then, you know, moving forward into the, the clay season. It should be really fun. One of the biggest things you missed, something we had so much fun covering last week, uh, the Volvo Car Open in Charleston, South Carolina. Kale Hammond, who does work for Tennis Channel, Tennis.com, and of course, us at Cracked Rackets came on twice during the week to talk about that. We had Jamie McDonald on, Chris Hallioris to talk a little college tennis. Really fun uh, episode, so as always, I'm going to ask you, you know, if you missed any of those, go check that out. But want to do something a little bit different today with the plug, something we've been scheming over at Cracked Rackets. As you guys know, we come up with some crazy shit, and so we like to float these ideas by you. Something we want to do to encourage you, the listener, you know, we all always ask, leave us a five-star rating, leave us a five-star review, is we're, we're going to offer you a little bit of incentive, offer you guys a chance to win some Cracked Rackets gear. Rothman, you want to explain how they can do that? Yeah, well, it, we obviously want more reviews for our podcast because we want to hear what you guys think and what you like about us. So if you leave a five-star review for us with your name, we will choose one of you at the end of each week to give some CR gear. We've got a lot of new stuff on the store. We've got three different kinds of shirts. We've got hats. We've got shock absorbers. And there's some more stuff coming in. So uh, you could be one of the lucky few to get kind of the, the first taste of uh, the new CR gear. So that's all you got to do is leave a five-star review, leave your name, and uh, we'll, we'll hit you in the DMs. Yeah, just to clarify, Twitter names, Instagram handles, if you don't have those, if you're an older listener and older, I I say that lovingly, we love our older listeners, you know, you want to throw in an email, we will find a way of getting in contact with you. We should also mention, it's specifically reviews for the Mini Break podcast, of course we ask you, Cracked Interviews podcast, Great Shot podcast, uh, What the Deuce podcast, go leave ratings, reviews, subscriptions for those as well, we'll try and get those going in the near future, but in specific, for the Mini Break, leave us your username, well, we will get back to you. We want to give you guys the gear. We want to spread as much Cracked Rackets love as possible. So we hope we are going to be able to do that by doing this little competition. But, Max Rothman, there is a ton of tennis to talk about. Let's get into the action. So as Let's I mentioned, the biggest event from last week, the one we spent the most time covering, the Volvo Car Open in Charleston. This was the first really you know, highlighted WTA tournament on clay after the Sunshine Double you know, there is clay sprinkled, and I saw a little Twitter spatter, and I spend too much time on tw- tennis Twitter, clearly, but uh, they're saying, well, there were clay uh, 
clay matches earlier in the year. Come on, didn't you guys see FAA on the clay? They've been playing on clay all, all year. It's like, yeah, we get it. Relax. What we're trying to say is now is the heavy clay portion of the year. So if we refer to it that way pejoratively, get off our backs. Um, yeah, but- I mean, there, look, there are, <laughs> there are lots of people who play on different surfaces, you know, throughout the year. I mean, Braden Schnur is playing on grass right now, and I think it's like Mexico or something. So, you know what? Yeah, but this is the real clay season, baby. So get off our asses. We're, we're doing what we can. All right. And for the record, playing on grass was not a euphemism. Stay off his back on that as well. Uh, let's <laughs> talk a little bit about Charleston. Last off, give me one of those. <laughs> let's talk a little bit about uh, Charleston, though, where Kale and I left off the quarterfinals. We had a loaded quarterfinal round. You know, it was impossible for me to find match stats. I checked the WTA site. I checked the Charleston site. And I will give them credit for this. They had this beautiful 127-page PDF with a bunch of match facts saying how these people have done in their careers. Prize money won. Prize money won this year. Titles. Where they've won titles. Grand Slam success. Head-to-head records. But I couldn't find things like first serve percentage, second serve percentage, break points, the stuff Max and I love to talk about. So sorry if those are missing here. Let's run through this quarterfinal round real quick. Uh, the match I want to spend a second talking about, number eight seed Madison Keys gets her first win in her fourth attempt against her friend and number one seed Sloan Stevens, 7-6-4-6-6-2. You know, Kale was joking in the mini break last week that he was talking to Madison Keys and he said, you are great on clay. And she was like, no, I'm not. And I think what we saw, you know, starting in this quarterfinal round and, you know, spoiler alert, she ends up winning this tournament. Her ability to play first strike tennis, particularly on you know, the clay they're playing on in Charleston where it's even harder to move than red clay. It's so impressive. And when you can take time away like that, you're capable, you're capable of winning any match. Absolutely. And you saw her do that against Sloan here. And look, these, these two are good friends and they've played together and, and they know each other's games. And you really just saw, as you said, Madison be able to play that first strike tennis, you know, really move Sloan around the court and, and controlled points. And uh, of course we don't have the, the facts to really back it up, but you know, she, if you watched the highlights from this match, which I got to, to see, it was clear that she was the one kind of controlling uh, a lot of this match. And it was also nice too, to see them at the end of the match, give each other a nice little hug at the net. They, they clearly respect and, and are fond of each other. And look, Madison Keys had not had that great of a year coming into this. When you look at her sunshine duo in Miami, she loses first round in three sets to Stozer. Now, if this was 2011, that would be fine, but it's not, and that's just not the type of loss you want to have. Similarly, she loses in three sets to Bartell at Indian Wells. Didn't play between Indian Wells and the Australian Open, but made that fourth round in the Australian Open, so did well there, but just we hadn't seen much of her, I guess, in that first quarter of the season. So for her to come out, put the performance she did, in Charleston, starting with this result. Um, so impressive. Now, on the Sloan Stevens front, I think she's coming off of what? A French Open final? Is that correct? Maybe a mm-hmm. French Open title? And it's yeah. just, you know, she loses this match to an informed Madison Keys, but she looks great as well. 100%. I, I think, you know, we can see some, some good results from her coming into the clay court season. Yeah, well then let's move on to our other quarterfinal matches. Monica Pui knocks out Daniel Collins, the number 11 seed, 6-3-6-2. One of the funny things I thought from this match is you overheard Collins during the coaching break. You know, they have the mics and she had her coach come out. I think the coach said, you know, Puig wants to play defensive and 
Monica or and Danielle gave a look like what like no she doesn't and the way Pui was just able to slap the ball around this court take balls early I mean she took it to Danielle Collins and that is not an easy thing to do uh, do you think sometimes <laughs> it's funny that like she just totally disagreed I, when a coach says something like that like he's gotta just be sleeping right like there, like how else do you I, not see I, that because it, it was so clear I don't think he he meant it in that way. I think he meant I don't even know. Yeah, I feel like he was having kids never listen to your coaches. Yeah, that it wasn't communicated well. Do you think having mics there is a you're good the thing kind or of a kid bad who would thing? never listen to their coach? What are you talking? What are you about? talking about? Oh you're my the most god, stubborn dude. person ever. You're literally like I'm gonna slap serves. That's just what I'm gonna do. That that has nothing to do with listening to my coach. I always yeah, listen to your my coach. Be like, what do you mean? I'm like, hit the kicker out wide. You're like, no, I'm going to slap this body, forehand side. Give him an easy chance to slap a forehand. Uh, that's not I'm just kidding. I'm just... <laughs> All right, back on topic, though. Rewind. To this tangent. <laughs> to this tangent, do you think it is beneficial or harmful that these coach-player interactions are being recorded? Oh, I, 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 just I feel think they're... Like, imagine no, getting the undermined. The yeah, recording yeah. is not the move. Like, I think that the coaches one and the players feel you know like they have to say a certain thing they have to you know be they have to they're on camera they're on mic they have to be you know professional about it whereas you know, if I'm with my coach on the sideline I want to just say whatever is on my mind and not have to worry about other people listening in I think it's kind of ridiculous that they have mics on well, that it's twofold because to see the intimacy between coach and player when it works, when you can see a coach is really connecting, that's no, such course. a cool it's experience. Cool. Absolutely. But yeah, there are times when on a change of you want to be like, man, fuck this shit. Like I don't want to deal with it. And it's just – you can't do that when there's a camera on or also, you don't want to get in trouble. No one wants to get yeah, in trouble. Think about how many times we've been on the sidelines and we're just like ripping on the other team just for the sake of <laughs> like getting some anger out. Pumping and, ourselves you know, like, up, yeah. Yeah, like you can't do that. People will take you way too seriously, and then the next thing you know, on Twitter the next day, they're talking about how you're, you know, ripping on the other person and you're a bad person. So, yeah, again, tennis Twitter, not a good place. No, great place. What are we saying? <laughs> um, all right, another quarterfinal, number sixteen seed Petra Martic knocks out number nine seed Belinda Bencic, dropping her to a whopping twenty and five on the season. She wins that match six two seven five. Martic, a player coming back from injury, I think she's twenty eight twenty nine former career high of number 40 uh, she's inching back towards that now i mean she played a really solid match benchich kind of ran out of steam i mean benchich didn't even run out of steam she just sprayed a little bit too much that day but credit to martin she she just made so many balls back no un- unfortunately i didn't get to see this match i mean benchich has had you know a, a good year so far and, and it sucks because kale comes in here the last two pods with just great commentary because he's been there and able to see all these matches up front and and unfortunately I I wasn't able to catch too much but I I can say Benchich has had you know a good season and I I, again is another player that I think given a little bit more rest leading up to the big clay court tournaments coming up I I think someone that we can expect to see pretty far you know especially in the French Open yeah I I floated a text to you earlier this week plus plus 5,000 we talked about it I think with Kale right uh, for her to win the title I've spent money stupider in more recent weekends, given the bachelor parties. Not the worst $20 flyer in the world. I, I think it, we need to make a, a cracked rackets pool. Everyone throws in 5 bucks on Benchich, and, and then we take the winnings and do something crazy. 
You know, throw that in the comment as well when you're leaving your review for the gear. Do you think that's a good idea? Do you want to pitch in on that bet? I'm happy to accept uh, Venmo, oh. uh, Cash App. I'm happy to accept multiple forms of money. Uh, so we'll, we'll throw that Bitcoin, in a poll. Maybe that's a tw- whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. uh, Bitcoin's too much for me. Uh, between the recording and everything, I can't handle a new platform. Uh, but let's talk about our last quarterfinal, someone who has adapted to circumstances very well. That's number five seed, Caroline Wozniacki, who takes out number 15 seed and sensation this week, Maria Sakari, 6-2-6-2. You know, Wozniacki throughout the week has expressed how good it is for her to feel healthy, and she kind of translates that into the next round as well, knocking off Martich, 6-3-6-4. I mean, at this point, the book is out on Caroline Wozniacki. We know exactly what she can do. That is, be physical, elongate matches, make it the person who can make the most balls in the end. We know what she can't do. You know, she does take some balls early. She does open courts, but she's not going to rip winners at will throughout a match. Firepower isn't her go-to thing. But when she's this healthy, when she's moving this well, tough tough enough of an out as any player on tour. Totally. I I think... You know, the the fact that she's healthy is a really good sign for her going into the clay season because you need to be as fit as can be for the clay. I mean, she had a good run in Miami, a little bit of a rougher start to this year, but of course she's slowly been getting back on her feet. And, um, you know, I, I think that it's <laughs> – I was going to say, I, I don't want to keep bringing back uh, Mr. Lee because I know Kale has talked about him. Uh, plenty this on, on the last two pods, but if I'm if I'm him, I'm very excited for uh, my my wife to you know tr- get ready for the clay and, and make it pretty far. Oh, you mean Mr. Wozniacki? Oh, that would be interesting. <laughs> well, I'm just saying to clarify. I didn't when you said Mr. Lee, I was like who? I was like who is Mr. Mr. Lee? But now I see David Lee, Caroline Wozniacki. Yeah. Yes, I agree with you. Caroline is playing fantastic tennis. You know, it was unfortunate in the final. She came across a Madison Keys who was just playing that much better, who can take time away from anyone when she's striking the ball as well as she did. Keys knocked off Monica Pui 6-4-6-0 in that semifinal and then knocked off Wozniacki 7-6-6-3, wins, the fourth career, uh, wins her fourth career title first on clay. I, I don't even know what to say. I mean, Madison Keys, it has the quality of firepower. It's just a unique quality of firepower, the way she hits her first serve. You never want to say something Serena-esque because to compare anyone to someone that good is just not fair. But it's seriously, she's one of the three or four players who possess that unique quality to where they can hit anyone off the court if they're playing their best tennis. Yeah, she's, look, she's a, I don't want to say stocky, that's not the right word. She's a strong 5'10". She's 5'10", can rip the ball. I mean, she's been a, a career high of number seven in the world. I mean, she has, you know, everything in her wheelhouse to, you know, take a player off the court. And you're right, I don't know if we can take it as far as to say a Serena comparison. I think that's a little bit of a stretch, but uh, she really does have the weapons to carry her pretty far, and... Uh, maybe Kale's right. Maybe her best surface is clay, and I guess you'll have to prove that to us <laughs> moving forward. I just think, in particular, the way she hits the forehand down the line on clay, you know, it's so hard to change direction to go backwards if you're caught mis- uh, misfooted. And I think she did a great job of doing that against Wozniacki, really opening up the court for herself, finding the angles on the serve, giving herself an easy second ball target. I mean, when things look that smooth, that routine... 
it's a testament to your preparation. It's a testament to your confidence. It's a testament to knowing how you want to play uh, each match and each point. And so credit to Madison Keys. We'll leave our Charleston thoughts here, Max. 16 WTA Tour events in 2019, 16 different winners. That is crazy. That I'm sure that's almost never happened for... And in fact, our very own Jonathan Kelly came out of hibernation to tweet that it is, in fact, the uh, longest span of time that there hasn't been a repeat winner in WTA history. Yeah, it's probably just because Serena typically doesn't let that happen. <laughs> in the first week, what, she wins Australian and Indian Wells? I don't know if that's true. Uh, yeah, I... Think how many random little events there are in February. Usually someone wins two of them. Someone gets hot. It's true. You, you scroll through like the WTA ATP app and you're like, oh my god. there There's literally just endless of these little tournaments to click through. And I feel like Laszlo Jure won everything in February. <laughs> Him or like uh, Dan Evans. They just yeah. won everything. That's how I'm going to remember it. But... Let's move on to the men's side. No ATP action last week, but there was the challenger in Monterey going uh, simultaneously with the women's event. Now, we should mention Muguruza ended up winning the women's event over Azarenka. Uh, that was a final. Azarenka had to pull out after such a physical match against Kerber in the semifinals. Um, but talking about the men's challenger, uh, I want to start at the quarterfinal round real quick, just uh, run you through some stats. Tennis Sandgren, the number one seed in this event, knocks out number 12 seed. Marcos Giron, 6-1, You know, Marcos had that magnificent run in Indian Wells, but something I saw in this match, something I feel like you and I have discussed even before he had the success in Indian Wells, the thing that continues to hold him back, the serve. If tennis was a ground stroke game, Marcos Giron might be top 100. Hell, he might be top 50, but it's not. The serves, you know, half of the game is holding serve, and for Marcos in this match, 12 double faults. I watched him play Emilio Nava as well. I watched him play, I think he played Granolers in the round before, and just the double faults were a constant. You know, he only makes 49% of his first serves in this match, 43 of 88, wins only 33% of his second serve points. Given how you know important it is to have that first weapon to be able to craft the point at the highest levels of the ATP Tour Max, it's concerning. It's concerning, but it's also just unfortunate considering how strong his ground strokes are. And the way, I mean, when I got to watch him play Dimon Hour, I mean, you got to, you have to be a unbelievable, you know, ground, baseliner, have unbelievable ground strokes to compete with a guy like that. And his forehand is elite. He drives through the ball really well. He hits down the line really well. And his backhand is just a... It's so smooth. I love watching him play. But yeah, like you said, it's just it's it's unfortunate because it's something that most players I would say don't have a problem with and and are comfortable going up there and saying, "Hey, I'm gonna, you know, hit some big serves." And and a lot of times serves will get them out of sticky situations. And if anything, it, he his serve puts him in sticky situations. And it's just you know to me is always something that you can improve on. And so I guess that's the one upside is all you got to do is go out there and hit ten thousand serves. And, you know, it will improve. So I think he probably knows what he has to work on. Of course, we should keep in mind he's a guy who's had double hip replacement. You know, he didn't have the time to go hit those 100,000 serves or whatever for the past six, not the past 16 months, but a stretch there of a while. My question, then we can move on from this match. Do you think it's more of a physical thing? You know, size-wise, Marcos is, what, 5'11", 6 foot, a stocky 6 foot, but still not the tallest guy. And that it's just harder it's, for him. 
it's genetically, not or do you thing. think it's a no. do you think it's a technique thing? I, I don't. I mean, I don't even know if it's a technique thing. Like when I watch him serve, I'm not watching him and saying that's oh, an ugly serve. I I truly just think that there's a few things that he could, you know, work on. Sure, maybe maybe he needs to pronate a little more on his flat serves. And I know Blake, you know, back in the day probably worked on that with him. Shout out to to my coach, um, but. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's just something that probably after the surgery, things have got tweaked a little bit, and he needs to kind of get back in the swing of things and figure it out. But there are guys on tour that are five ten that have really good serves. You you if you're at least if you're over five eight, you're probably okay as far as you know having the the physical attributes to have a dominant serve. So I, I don't think it's that at all. All right. Well, I, I think we can leave that match there. I do want to say quickly on the tennis Sandgren side because we'll talk about his semifinal match. But he has confidence now. He is going after his forehand more so than I saw before. You know, he's lingering in that top 100. And to be in that top 100 is so important in terms of guaranteeing yourself entry into the Grand Slams. But the way he was going after his forehand, snapping off shots, hitting through the backhand more often. You remember early on he loved to play around with the slice. And it's not like he doesn't slice, but you know I think he's a sneaky good mover. I think he comes in at the appropriate times. I'm very impressed with Sandgren's game. In fact, I know this is a random comparison, and it's not to place these two, but if you're just asking me, because they're similar in age, who would I be more confident in staying in the top 100 by the end of the year? And I think I predicted this early in the year as well. I'd say Tennis Sandgren over Ryan Harrison. I, I like really, you know, I, I've seen Ryan play recently, and I'm just, I like what Sandgren does. I like his serve. He opens up the court with angles really well, the slice out wide on the deuce, the kicker out wide, and he really snaps that ball off on the ad. And it was so refreshing, by the way. These Monterey courts were a little bit faster, so you could really snap the ball through the court. And to his credit, he did it. So, you know, I know the serving stats from Marcos aren't great, but credit to Tennis Sandgren for earning this win. I'm just going to say really quick, I I don't think that's a hot take to say Sandgren over Harris, and I, I know you said it like, "Oh, this no. might be controversial," but I, I don't think so. I, I I think the way that Sandgren plays is, uh, you know, he's got a lot more variety to his game, and yeah, sure, Harrison might be a little bit more athletic and move better around the court, but I I, I would agree with you. I'm, I'm basically just saying I agree with you. I appreciate. I guess it's not a hot take in terms of you and I talk about tennis way more than we should, but I feel like the the more casual tennis fan knows Ryan Harrison more so than they know tennis Sandgren, and it's just unless they've say, heard about Sandgren's political views, in which case that might be. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, not we, even we shouldn't go there. I yeah. was gonna say. I thought you were gonna say tennis Sandgren reaching the Australian Open quarterfinals. I was gonna be like, yeah, you're right. Well, that, that was too. That was probably a more notable moment. But, yeah, we, we can move on to the other quarterfinals. Alexander, Sasha Bublik, the number seven seed here, and we'll talk about him in a little bit because, ooh, uh, knocks out Feliciano Lopez, seven six six three. Donald Young takes out number two seed Bradley Klon, five and four. It's so funny to me to see Klon, Sandgren, all of these guys now top seeds. It's a testament to their effort. But, I mean, I've just seen them in the challenger circuit for so long, so it's just – I love it. I love it. Um, and then my last quarterfinal, Emilio Gomez, the former UFC superstar, knocks out number eight seed Peter Polanski, six three seven six. This sets up our semifinal round. Alexander Bublik knocks out Tennis Sandgren in the weirdest 
two six six two seven six match. I think Sandgren had like three or four match points, or at least served for the match. You know, Bublik in this match, twelve aces against eleven double faults, twenty of forty six on second serve points, but he goes sixty percent on the first serve, seventy percent first serves one. Sandgren in this match, three of sixteen on break points. He and he ends up winning a uh, hundred to Bublik's ninety two total points. He had so many chances. Bublik at times looked like he was ready to just fold it in. I don't know if it's Bublik, Bublik, but I really... Can we call him the Bub? <laughs> oh, God, no. I kind of like it. But either way, you know, he throws in the drop shots. He throws in the slaps. Huge serve from Bublik, by the way, when it's firing. I don't even know what to think of him. I mean, look, the kid's 21 years old. He, you know, he's a, he's a next-genner. You know, he's not many play. He's from Kazakhstan. You know, not many players that uh, are from Kazakhstan on the tour. Uh, also, something I just saw from the stats that's super interesting. So he had 12 aces, right? He wins 70% of his first serves. With those 12 aces, he was only losing nine points on his first serves. I mean, or excuse me, I, I meant to say the double faults. He had 12, 11 double faults. So besides those 11 points, there were only nine other points that he lost on his first serve in the entire match. That is ridiculous. I'm just doing the math. Wouldn't it be 10? But that's a that's another. Uh, he goes, Actually, you're just wrong, because if you miss the first serve, who's to say he you know he went 20 of 46 on the second serve? You take out the double faults from that. Oh, God. He would have gone th- yeah, my math 20 is... of 36. So it's all right. I don't love you for your math. I love you I for was, your tennis. I case. was excited about these stats for a second. Yeah. I, I don't got, know where you pulled that one out of. But leave it in for sure, West. Stuff. Can I get a hey, great shot? Yeah, let's I'll get a, let's get it like a fat tornado rewind. Um, <laughs> but Bublik, look, man, he's good. He's this is what his third challenger title of the year already, right? He's he's had two other challenger titles. Yeah, he won in Budapest earlier this year, and then after that, wins in France. I mean, he's on the come up. He, you know, won a round at Miami. He beat Sandgren in Miami. So this is, you know, round two for him against Sandgren. And it's good for him. He's he's a guy that we're probably going to be seeing a little bit more of now that his ranking also has gotten up into the 90s. Yeah, live ranking 99. He's got a career high 95. He's 21 years old. There's so much upside for him. Imagine when he figures out what a ground stroke is. It's, it's almost <laughs> similar to Riley Opelka in that. The things they can do in terms of earning themselves free points, you can't teach. But you can teach the other stuff, and these guys have seemed capable of doing that. So certainly an interesting result. A guy who I think uh, tomorrow when I talk with Ben Rothenberg for GSP, we're doing this week on the next-gen quarter poll, uh, he'll certainly come up. Not a guy we mentioned last year, but a guy who, if you've been paying attention in 2019, you cannot have missed. Uh, let's move on to our other semifinal real quick. Emilio Gomez knocks out Donald Young, two six six three six four. Donald Young, much like some of the other players we've talked about, the serve really failed him in this match. A lot of guys struggling with double faults. It was windy. I mean, you could tell on the live stream, but still. DY, nine double faults in this match against eight aces, but still. uh, Wins 76% of his first serve points, makes 61% of his first serves, but still. Only 42% on the second serves. You look at break point opportunities, goes 3 of 11. I mean... That's just not going to cut it when the margins are this thin, when it's 89 total points Gomez, 87 total points Young. Agreed, and and I, and I think this is another guy who's had some good success on the Challenger Tour this year. You know, makes a final 
uh, excuse me, makes a semifinal in Uruguay earlier in January. Uh, you know, wins a couple rounds in Dallas, beats Novikov, beats Eubanks, loses to to Giron. So you know he's playing really good tennis, and uh, you know as his ranking starts to climb too, might get to see a little bit more of Emilio Gomez. Emilio Gomez, his forehand just so explosive. The way he hit hit, hit off the short angle cross court forehand with just such ferocity. I think it's going to translate really well to Clay. You know, he's an older player now. I think he's twenty six years old. Twenty seven years old. Twenty seven exactly. And so, this is his physical prime, and it's good for him to have another breakthrough. We've talked. <laughs> this is his physical about- prime. Twenty seven. Is that the new? Yeah. Is- when has 27 not been the physical prime? We've talked how, you know, old, the players that are getting older and older are still having sustained success. It speaks to the delayed physical prime. Yeah, I think by the time you're 27, now you've really figured out, okay, this is how my body works. This is how I need to fuel it with food and nutrition, and this is how I need to stretch. These are the warm-ups I need to do. So we've certainly, he's not the only player we see playing their best tennis at this age. You know, Basilashvili is a little younger, but he's a guy who had a later prime, um, there are other examples. It's late. It's 11.53. Cut me some slack. But this, this idea, you know, we've talked about how physicality has become so important in tennis. And I think when you look at the difference between Gomez and Young, Young doesn't have that definitive weapon he can turn to. He's got so much craft. Gomez was able to win himself more free points, kind of hit Young off the court at times. And when the margins are that thin, that's the difference. Two more free points. Yeah, and we've talked about those margins for many a pod, but... Uh, I think I, I hear you loud and clear. I, I think that's all right. why also Bublik was able to take down Gomez in that final pretty pretty easily. Yeah, I just think Bublik had a little bit more firepower. Clearly found the serve rhythm. Um, earned himself three points with just massive forehands. I'm excited about his upside. Uh, you know, I don't know how much you've gotten a chance to see him play, but I, I don't know. Him, her catch... Uh, who am I missing? Munar. I feel like they were kind of the forgotten grace because of the success of Tsitsipas, Zverev, and all the 96s, but these guys are pretty good. And then also the Americans. I mean, we, we just get so bogged down in, in their success as well. We kind of, You're right. We kind of lose sight of these guys. Yeah, well, I, I'm just saying, if you see Alexander Bublik in the draw, and you will be because he's top 100 now, be sure to give him a look. Go check him out on YouTube. Uh, you will be entertained. This is an extravagant player. But okay, let's move on to the next thing I want to do. I want to look ahead to this week because, as we've mentioned, the ATP Tour back in play. We've got events in Houston and Marrakesh. Let's start with Houston. A couple of withdrawals uh, that we should note. John Isner out with his fractured foot. I believe that was a stress fracture out four to six weeks. I think that was diagnosed a week ago, but still we probably won't see him till closer to the French Open. Yoshihito Nishioka out as well. Nick Kyrgios out. Hurts the field, but we've still got some fun players, Rothen, right? These seeds are fun. Yeah, we got Stevie now at number one because he's, you know, he was two, and without Johnny, he moves up to one. Chardy, hey, who— just so you know, that math was way better. Hey, great Way, way better. Uh, <laughs> Chardy, who we've both had the chance to talk to, nice guy. He moves into the number two spot. Cam Nori three, Opelka four, Fritz five, Mackie six. That's a nice little uh, next gen streak right there. Uh, Thompson seven and Query eight. So got some great seeds still in this tournament, and, and a lot of great first round potential matchups uh, as well. You know, looking we haven't Can had I the just qualifying say, finish. Hey, 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 great shot to us. We have interviewed four of the top eight seeds: I, I Nori, did. Opelka, Fritz, Mackie. Yep, and they not all too in, bad. Not too not bad. Too bad. 
and hopefully soon we're we're trying to do a, a little this is a little sneak peek trying to get uh, wait some... don't say it don't say it don't jinx it don't jinx it oh, okay Just don't say anything because <laughs> until it actually happens who knows but yes we have some fun things planned some other notable players in the draw uh, um, on the American front at least Harrison Sandgren Kudla Klon Rublev and Fratangelo as wild cards um, you said I mean, <laughs> that's that's a hey great shot to you <laughs> Rublev, Rublev is not Ruben. Rublev's good friend Ruben in as a wild card. Uh, I mean, it's American heavy field. What do you expect? It's our one clay event that we have at the ATP level. So, of course, these guys are – oh, that's not true. Oh, no, Delray's not on clay. For some reason, I think Delray's always on clay. It feels like it should be. Yeah, it just feels – yeah, come on. That is literally the definition of green clay city. Delray Beach, that's all you're playing on. Ask Zach Gross. That's all he's playing on. Um (laughs) So, yeah, they, you expect to see a lot of Americans in here. You look at the qualifying results. Eubanks, uh, Kruger, both into the final round. Some Americans who lost today. Giron lost in straights. Tommy Paul, back from injury, loses a close three-set match to the number one seed, Henry Laxanen. Uh, Kiroz knocks out J.C. Aragoni. We also had number two seed, Peter Polanski, losing to Darian King. But, yeah, uh, tomorrow we've got five main draw matches. Harrison versus Karlovich. I, I, I keep pointing on this Harrison thing. It was my way of sneaking up to talking about this match. Guys ranked 107 in the live rankings, 4-7 and seven on the year. I mean, I, I we talked about this. What, what is it, if you think Ryan Harrison's game, what is it about him that stands out to it, to you? His athleticism, the way he's honestly, he gets to everything. He's fast. Um, he, okay, his but where would you is put strong? Eh. See, the athleticism, I agree with you. That's his number one trait. It's that there's never been around to the serve is huge. He can absolutely yeah. bomb that some kick. First serve. Kick and the kick is great. But I still just think the forehand sits up a little bit too much. It sits short a little. It's a little too wristy. Like, you worry about that forehand against Karlovich. I guess Harrison just had some double success, so his returns speak for themselves. But you yeah. can just see Karlovich pop, 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 serve and volley. Do, do, can I get one more of those? Pop, pop, pop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Karlovich also, who's just had a great year so far, uh, you know, on the for clay. For a 40-year-old. For, for a 40-year-old. I mean, look, he's had some good wins. Yeah, he's, no. he's had some good results. Uh, and on the clay, that kick, man, is going to be tough. So... We'll see. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how Harrison can do. I feel like we gave Stevie Johnson a pass because I was just so impressed with your math. But by the way, him coming in as the number one seed, like that is nothing to be scared of. What has Stevie Johnson done this year that makes you think, oh, like uh, that's? I mean, I know he's just the defending champion, but the guy has one win in 2019. I'm just saying this. Look, this is a wide open field. You could tell me one of. 30 players in this draw would win the tournament. I'd say, yeah, okay. Oh, nope, that's a lie because I don't think there even are 30 players. Nope, there's less than 30, so I guess those mystery buys are not going to win. But you could tell me one of 20 players is going to win this tournament. I'd be like, yeah, I'm sure. Like, if I told you Casper Rudd plays the best tennis of his career, knocks off Opelka in the second round, knocks off the next seed, Taylor Fritz, in the third round, and all of a sudden goes on a run to win this tournament, you're like, okay. Sure. Like, I guess that's possible. Or what if I told you Bernard Tomic beats Kudla, beats Fritz, beats Opelka, beats Stevie, and wins this tournament? Like, would you be that shocked? Yeah, that's not happening. Um, (laughs) But also at this point, the fans realize that uh, our math is just horrible. Uh, But also— Your math. My math there was great. I caught myself. uh, Barely. Um, (laughs) But 
if I'm Paolo Lorenzi and I see Stevie as, you know, my second round match after playing a qualifier, I'm stoked for sure. And look, I, I'm a big Stevie fan as, as you know, and as those who have listened know, but he's struggled this year so far. And, and, you know, maybe the clay is where he kind of gets his, you know, his fire, his fire behind him back. You know, his slice on the clay is nice. It, you know, that's something that he can use to his advantage uh, versus on the hardcore where it doesn't always slow down the point enough. We'll see. We'll see if he can use this and, and maybe make a change in his game, but he's really struggled. All right, real quick, let's go through tomorrow's main draw matches, and you tell me who you think is going to win. Harrison Karlovich. Sorry. No. Um, Karlovich. Fritz. All right, I'll take Harrison. Fritz Granolas, I'll take Fritz. Tomich Kudla. Mm, Kudla. Kudla's been playing well. Rude Delian. Mm, rude. Uh, you just knew who I was going to pick. Garen Cuevas. You know, Christian Garen's been playing some good tennis. Um, but Cuevas on the clay. I'll take Garen. I'm all about Garen on the clay. I'm totally... We had to differentiate right. somewhere, so I'm totally down. Gentleman's wager? Sure. All right, I'm totally down. Let's move on then to our next tournament in Marrakesh. A lot of withdrawals in this one. Kind of sad almost. Krajinovic, Ivashka, Berrettini, Hercatch, Karina Busta, Kukushkin, Zoomher, Milman, FAA, Jao Sosa. All guys who had a monochrome of success over the Sunshine Duo. So you could understand why they want to get some rest. But that hurts. Yeah, I mean, all these guys clearly are like, is, like, am I really going to play Marrakech like a 250? Like, I'm just going to get tired. And Here's know. what I'll say real quick. FAA Hercatch. Good decision, right? They're young. They have a lot of tennis ahead of them yeah. this year. They're going to start getting into tournaments. Don't push it. Yeah, I, I, if I were them too, I'd probably make the same decision. But I also want to get some reps in before Monte Carlo. I, look, they're both young, and they haven't really gone through a clay court season yet. I personally, I I would even, I mean, this, uh, and this is why this happens, because personally, if I'm them, I'm thinking, Let's at least go play a few matches, and if I lose, I lose. Not saying I'm going to throw a match, but got to get some reps in before Monte Carlo. I don't know. That's that's what I'm thinking. So I think Alex Zverev, the number one seed this weekend. I'm Bobby sure that's what he's needed. doing. Yeah, Kyle Edmund, all these guys who have less match experience or had rough starts to their year are getting some extra matches under their belt. But I think the young guys, <laughs> FAA, Hercatch, they're not at that level. They don't need to play all those matches get, have to have that sort of success. They are just making their breakthrough. You know, space it out. You've just earned your biggest uh, group of points. You're going to get to defend on those for a while so they can t- afford to relax. Versus, you know, an Alex Zverev, a Kyle Edmund. Are you, uh, what do you think about their choice to play this tournament? you agree with it? Yeah, I mean, sure. Zverev's I think got a I- lot of clay tennis ahead of him. Yeah, I don't know about Zverev, especially taking the wild card, too. I mean, it was probably a, it was a late entry, clearly, and yeah, I don't know if he needs it. Um, Edmund, I think he could use the extra reps. I, he, he, you know, is still kind of getting back in the swing of things and was playing challengers, and I, I totally think it makes sense for him. Fognini, for sure. Uh, the guy totally. has not won. Yeah, he hasn't won two matches in a row, I don't think, since the Australian Open. So, totally like his decision. Last thing on Marrakesh, and then we'll move on to our final segment. Joe Wilfred Sanga takes a wild card into the event, would draw Kyle Edmund round two. This has nothing to do with anything, but I like riling you up. You want Sanga in that match, or would you take Edmund? <laughs> um, 
I, I'm taking Sangha on the clay. I gotta take my boy. <laughs> That's what I was looking for. Well, then let's do our final segment to re- uh, round up this Monday episode. We like to start every week talking about our winners and losers from the week before. Westoff, if you could give me that sound effect, please. Let's start. Let's start with the losers. Let's get them out of the way right away. My number one loser on the week, Rothman, Jao Souza of Brazil, not Sosa, Souza, Souza. I don't know. Uh, suspended from professional tennis by the Independent Anti-Corruption Program. They haven't come out and said exactly what he did, but he got caught. So, you know, he's definitely a loser this week. Yeah, it's. Ugh. I mean, look, the the sport has had plenty of corruption throughout the years, and you just you, you hate to see it. So. Um. Yeah, I don't have much to say. It just it sucks to see. Should we get like a wah wah sound effect from Westoff? Give me a loser sound effect. Totally. Please. Yeah. Uh, all right. I I I know you uh, were busy this weekend. Didn't have a ton of time to gather your list. But what's your next one? Give me so a, it, give me a loser. So I, I it's funny because I I made a short list from things that I saw on tennis Twitter and and just from from matches. But yeah. You know, I don't know if I'd consider it a loser, but John Isner with his, you know, injury the four to six weeks out, you know, it sucks to see him go to the finals of Miami and then not be able to kind of continue that success. And I know you agree with that one, but the one that I did want to bring up, which I saw on tennis Twitter. Wait, real quick. Westoff, give me the loser sound effect. Yeah, give us the wah wah. Um, the one that I, I did want to bring up that, you know, we could probably talk about at length uh, is the decision to take the men's final in the Olympics to a best out of three tiebreak sets, <laughs> which is just ridiculous. Like, it, you think of the events in tennis that are five sets, and it's the Grand Slams and the Olympics, and that makes sense. They're the five biggest events. Olympics, first of all, only happens every four freaking years, and now we're going to shorten it. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. So, huge loser there for me. And I know probably for you as well. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, I wonder what outline you saw that topic on. No, I'm just kidding. Westoff, Rothman said it perfectly, and we don't want to debate this because we could do it at length. So give us the loser sound effect, please. I agree. One of my favorite matches of all time, Delpo Murray. That Olympic final four sets, such a physical match. The the look on Murray's face after he won, he just seemed completely drained. Uh, just leave it. You know, we're playing I all think- the other matches, two out of the three. Leave the final three out of five. I think I saw on tennis Twitter that that match or, or one of the other four set matches that was played in the Olympics is like a record for one of the longest events. But that that's tennis. That's what it is. Like that's what people pay to see and that's what they want to see. So I don't know why they're shortening it. But anyways, uh, completely agree with you. Well, then two more losers and we can just get one went when a sound effect for them. Both on the cracked rackets front. Christian Harris. We'll talk about it, I'm sure tomorrow for Twitter Tuesday. If you haven't seen the video, got popped in the head while coaching for his squad. Uh, it's a very funny video. I mean, he takes it like a champ. Didn't yeah, he, he, he kind of just after. was like, "Oh, what? What just happened? Nothing." <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. a beast. It explains his concussion. I'm sure after he got hit, he said, "What the deuce?" Um, and that was just it was uh, ridiculous. Uh, yeah, uh, West off another one. But don't. Uh, the other one I wanted to mention, another Cracked Rackets person who I would say was a slight loser this weekend, our very own at Tweenerhead Tennis, Philip Fama, who took a shot at Ben Rothenberg and we're trying to be nice to Ben since he's coming out tomorrow. I'm also very fond of Ben. I don't know why he gets so much hate. We've talked about that topic before. 
Philip uh, tries to take a shot at Ben, who talked about uh, Naomi's Nissan sponsorship, which happens to be a uh, ramen noodle company, I believe, or some sort of noodle cup dishes. Of course, Philip thought he meant Nissan, the car company, and tried to correct him, but Philip was wrong. Philip, you take a, a shot at the king, you best not miss. <laughs> and he missed. Yeah, so Westoff, give me one final. Wah, wah. <clears throat> All right, Rothman, hit me with your winners. So we'll just stay on the the Cracked Rackets train. Winner this week, got to give it to our boy Kale, who was at the tournament, gave us great, you know, in-depth match breakdowns. And obviously, if you were watching, you got to see him, you know, right there taking some nice footage for the tennis channel. And so I uh, just got to give him, you know, one of the W's for the week. Yeah, uh, my I uh, first of all, if we have a loser sound effect, I need a hooray. Uh, yeah, <laughs> look, that speaks to the hour that it is. My winners for the week. I want to do a quick serious winners, uh, both from a business standpoint for tennis. I saw at John Wertheim tweeted out the top five cable networks and audience growth through the first quarter of 2019. Number five, FX Movie Channel up eight percent. Number four, MSNBC plus nine percent. Three, IFC TV plus sixteen. Two, Hallmark Channel, plus 22%. I could do a rant on how stupid that is, but we'll hold off. Number one, though, Tennis Channel, up 33%. Now, it could be up, you know, one to three, or one to two, one to one-third. Sorry, that's the only math I feel comfortable for sure getting right. (laughs) Um, But I'm saying plus 33% is a good thing, right? That's a hooray! uh, Definitely a hooray. Uh, and I was going to say, I hope IFC TV, because I don't know what that is. I hope that is not Interfraternity Council TV, because that would be horrendous. Uh, but that is the first thought that came to my mind. Uh, well, but yeah. Kids, no, that's IFC. They have old movies. You know how The Town is always on TNT? Sure. Well, if you want to watch The Town with swearing, watch it when it's on IFC, because they're allowed to swear a little more. Or at least they just like naturally cut it out. It's it's like borderline paid-for cable, but no, I don't know. Everything's paid for. What am I saying? But yeah, <laughs> shout-out to Tension. My other business one real quick, the final stats from Miami. Uh, they set a bunch of attendance records. The big one, overall attendance, was 388,734. That was more than 60,000, more than the record set in 2012. Uh, they set the single session record. They set uh, the men's final attendance record. They beat that one by about over 2,000. Now, of course, I'm sure there's some sort of Federer bump there because everyone wants to see him before he goes. There's also the bump of the fact that there was a new stadium. But those two things compounded, plus you know, our subscriber counts are through the roof. Uh, it's just it's a good time to be a tennis fan. It is. I mean, we've got the clay court season right ahead. We have James Blake, a beautiful man, putting together a great tournament. (laughs) Uh, Tennis channel ratings are up. I mean, uh, if you're sleeping, if you're not watching tennis right now. I agree with you. Well, then one more winner sound effect for them. Uh, Another winner now on the player note I want to talk about, Shelby Rogers, comes back in Charleston after 16 months of injury, gets her first win on the WTA circuit. We talked about it during last week's episodes, but just – Huge for her. Um, other players I want to mention real quick. Uh, Vashik Pospisil back on the court after five months. Victoria Azarenka makes the final, uh, her first final of the year. Obviously, she's coming back uh, from so much as well, so that's great. Nicholas Almagro, unfortunately, retiring, but good for him to have that sort of closure to end with injuries and be in flux for that long sort of sucks. Lorenzo he, Musetti. Just on, oh, on, the, on the Almagro train, I'll just, I, I have such a clear memory of watching him play Burditch at the Aussie Open and him ripping this 
this ball right at Burditch and like hits him in the arm and then Burditch gets all like pissy and, and like takes it personally and he is the reason why I officially hated Burditch after that match. I'll never forget it. Almagro, you're awesome. Stay you. I swear to God, Eric Fandel and I became friends my freshman year of club tennis because I was so fascinated that his favorite tennis player was Tomas Burdich. I was like, what? I was Screw like, that. what has to happen in your life that you're like, that's the guy I identify A lot of with. bad things. Yeah, I'm just like, what? I mean, I guess he's a skateboarder, so like, it kind of makes sense. <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 like, I totally remember that moment as well. One of the most uh, infamous moments since YouTube's become a thing because you can see the replay. The crowds yeah. just booed him off the court. It was awesome. Yeah, but, but good for him to get that sort of closure. Two other ones real quick we can end on. Lorenzo Musetti of Italy, first player born in 2002 to win a challenger match carlos alcarez garfia first player born in 2003 to win a challenger match i'm feeling older and older every day rothman uh i, I hear you and the facial hair is clearly proven it. oh one more <laughs> loser and I, oh first of all can i get a bunch of winner sound effects for that all those players please west off one other thing, I mentioned this, and we were having this debate, uh, and I didn't want to go much further because I was afraid you were going to actually get mad at me, but the Wilson racket with the zebras. Loser. Oh, my like, God. It is horrible. I'm not getting into this with you. You're, you just don't know edgy. I'm sorry. Dude, you're not good enough to – you have to be the best player in the world to use that because if you're bad and it's like, dude, not only – So you're saying Opelka is not good enough rack. to use it? No, that ser- he's That not. serve deserves the racket. Okay. No, it doesn't. Not yet. Not yet. It does. <laughs> it's not good enough. When I'm, you can't I'm not arguing guarantee, this with you. If you can't guarantee me you're going to make the first volley after you hit that serve, don't use a zebra racket. Give me, like, a little bit of space. No. But anyways. All right, fine. Well, then let's wrap th- – <laughs> no sound effect then. We can wrap things there. Any final thoughts before the week starts? Uh, I'll just give one more W to you for helping me out last week covering for me because uh, I, I did have a, a tough week, so appreciate you there. I say this to Westoff and Dalton every time they say something like that, but I know I'm a fine slice of challah, but you don't need to butter me up that much. I'm good, but I appreciate it as always. You, 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 you. needed more You needed more in your challah. <laughs> challah. Sorry. That's true. Look, it's too late for that. But Some shout out tribe to thing. Happy birthday, as you mentioned to your dad, who I know is waiting for you to get to dinner. So and I'll younger you bro. Up. Yeah, and younger bro, so I'll let you wrap up and go. Huge shout-out to our super producers, Max Flinger and Daniel Westoff, who have a f- bit editing job to do, as always. But one last time, for my super co-host, Maxwell Bauer rothman for our producers, Max Flinger and Daniel Westoff, and for our entire team at Crack Rackets, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Maxi, how are we going to start our week? Hey, great shot, that's a break! <laughs> And we will see you all next time, Maxie. <laughs> <laughs>